It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Live across Australia on SEN Track. Giddy up with Gareth Hall. Follow us on Twitter at SEN Giddy Up and text in anytime. 0499-736-736. It's three minutes past ten. This is Giddy Up on a Wednesday morning. Um, really looking forward to having a chat to our next guest for Girl Power. She is an absolute superstar. Um, since arriving in this country from New Zealand and spending some time of course, before that in Singapore, Natalie Young has been, along with her partner, Trent Bustardon, have been stars of the racing industry in this country, winning Group 1 races and uh, mixing it with the, the very best in Australia. And Natalie's got some story to, to tell as well. Recently, she has been inspiring um, with her story regarding her breast cancer situation and how she's been able to to battle through that and... Um, basically win that battle and she joins us now here on Giddy Up on this Wednesday morning. Good morning to you, Nat. Thanks for your time. Morning. How are you? Good, thank you. First of all, um, how did you fall in love with racing? Were you born into it? How did you get involved in the game? Um, I, yeah, I had ponies from when I was sort of five years old yeah. and, you know, they used to lead me around the shows and jump the hurdles itself and, I guess it just progressed from there, but I'm sort of from a racing family as well. Mum used to train a few, and my dad was a farrier, so just always had horses around us when we were growing up. Do you remember one horse that really inspired you to get into this game when you were young? Did you have a favourite one? Uh, I used to really love this horse that mum trained called um, Ballot King, and he used to like fall out of the gate yeah. and fly home. And um, and just get up on the line. So and I, and I always used to wag school and go to the races with them. So <laughs> yeah, I suppose just there, just yeah, just just seeing that and seeing the enjoyment that Mum got from it, getting a win. Um, yeah, I guess it just uh, inspired me to do the same. Yeah, it's funny sometimes you, you don't have to have a champion to be your champion in a way. No, definitely not. Yeah, and then you went to Singapore. Tell us about your experience there. Um, yeah, well, I, I was sort of doing two jobs back in New Zealand, and I think I was doing about 70 or 80 hours a week, and um, Jimmy Collard actually came to me and said, oh, there's a job in Singapore, and I think I'd packed up and left about six days later, and I remember getting there and, and talking to my boss, Bernard Ang, and I think he, he sort of um, thought that I'd just come over for an interview, and I sort of pretty much piped up in the office and said, well, I've packed everything I'm up, I'm here to stay. <laughs> My choice, <laughs> but yeah, it was a it was a, it was a great great place to sort of be in your twenties in Singapore. It was a very cosmopolitan city, and it was safe, and you know, um, met some really good friends through it, and you sort of learnt how to how to really um, you know ride the horses there and and travel them, and uh, you know, say if something was going to win or not because they were you know they were really pretty heavy in the punting back in those days in Singapore. And when you talk to the horse people, especially in Victoria, they tell us um, 
Natalie Young's one of the, the great track work riders. She knows when they're going to win. Is, is that Did you learn all of that in Singapore or is that something you developed uh, in the early days there in New Zealand, Nat? Yeah, well, I sort of switched to the races when I was probably about 13. Um, Mum used to always put me on the breakers at probably 9 or 10. I don't know if you'd be able to do that now. Um, so I was always around the racehorses. But, yeah, I think, you know, to to really learn that craft and, and get to know the feel of a horse when you're on their back and, and, you know, having that pressure on you in Singapore of saying, you know, yeah, I think this horse can win and, and, it, and it's coming off. Um, yeah, I definitely think that that really helped me. Um, you know, like they were, it was, the punting was very big back then in Singapore and, um, you know, it still is here now. But, um, yeah, you know, in your 20s, um, yeah, it was probably where you really learnt to love to have a little flutter yourself. Can you can you teach that to people there, Nat, um, about the feel of the horse and you jump off and go, well, I don't know, you just felt a little bit sore or she felt a little bit sore or you get off and say, Trent, well, I don't know how they're going to beat this galloper. Um, is it just a... To learn that type of feel, can you learn it overnight? Um, are you born with it? Um, how, how do you go about that? It probably just comes down to a bit of experience, mostly, yeah. you know, riding so many horses every day. And I think before I left to Singapore, I was riding about 20 horses a morning, getting $5 a ride. Now you've got to pay them about 30 <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, yeah, I think it's just really just a bit, bit of experience, um, you know, like, We've got great track riders here, and a lot of the, a lot of the track riders, you know, they come through that pony club grade, and they get that sort of natural feel for a horse. I think that really helps too. Um, but then you get some people that it, haven't had pony club that are going to be fantastic jockeys, and um, they're just naturally gifted. So I don't think I was in that department at all, but um, I was always good at reading a horse. So that's probably what's helped us, you know, in our business early days. Can you, um, is there any great punning stories that you can tell us out of Singapore when you ride one and say, oh, I think we need to bet, Nat? We all, we, we love a punning story here on Giddy Up. Uh, I do recall back in, on my first punt in Singapore, I think I put 500 a place on a horse and it was paying something like 40 to 1. And that was my first ever bet. And um, yeah, it ended up, it got up and run second, didn't win, but I got the money for the place and then I was probably hooked after that. Um, yeah, so yeah, no, there's a there's a few there, and yeah, you know, sort of I'm one of those punters that like to sort of have those double odds. I don't back every week, every day. You know, I just I sit back and wait for those double figures, and I'll have a little launch. But yeah, um, yeah, I think if you're going to win, you might as well win big. I don't normally back the favourites, so I'll leave that to the professionals. What about recently? Have you had one that from your stable that you thought to Trent? Um, I, I think we need to to have something on this galloper. Um, I did end up backing Flasher when he won and paid. I got boosted Oz at 61, so that was a pretty good collect. That, um, that kind of helped deck out my uh, my new beach house, so uh, that was a pretty good collect for me, but it doesn't happen all the time. Um, but, yeah, no, that was that was a pretty good collect. Oh, I love those stories. Now, um, so you went from Singapore. Now, first of all, tell us how you met Trent. Um, well, I actually went over there on my own and didn't really know anyone. I yeah. think I was, I was sort of only planning to stay for six months and then carry on. Um, but, yeah, I'd seen Trent walk past me one day and he <laughs> back, he's a skinny little skinhead with the six-pack. And yeah. I thought, oh, and it just sort of, I think we went out one night and, yeah, it just sort of progressed from there. So I haven't really been able to shake him since. No. What happened to the six-pack? <laughs> it's now one big ass. <laughs> <laughs> was it love at first sight, Nat? Um, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it probably was. Yeah, well, with Natalie. Not that I was fun, but uh, yeah, no, nah, he's um, he's pretty funny, yeah. as everyone knows. Um, with Natalie Young. Sorry, Nat. He's a pretty good catch. Yeah, he is a terrific catch. And I think he's very lucky to have you, by the way. Um, with Natalie Young, this is Girl Power here on Getty Up. Um, what about, so you headed, so you met Trent there in Singapore and then you headed back to New Zealand. When did you decide to say, okay, we can, we're going to try and make it as trainers? Um, well, Trent went back, uh, I went back at the end of 2006. So we'd basically sort of been in Singapore for about 10 years. And, um, and then Trent and Patty took the licence out back home and we only had a team of 20 horses. And I got, I went back there and I was actually writing work for Murray Baker for the first sort of couple of months. Um, just until sort of you know, Patty and Trent got some horses, and uh, I probably made more money in that first six weeks back in Murray Baker's horses. There, to be fair, um, yeah, that was actually quite good fun. <laughs> Learned a lot in those sort of six weeks training wise. Like Murray Baker, he's a fantastic trainer, yeah, as everyone knows. Um, yeah, learnt a lot how to how to work them and hard and how we train them. And uh, and then um, Patty went to Macau, and um, Trent and I went into partnership and. I think our first runner winner was Almon at Rotorua, and uh, it just progressed from there. And you know, we ended up winning the Guineas with Barside. We had Sankster, yeah, uh, won the VRC Oaks in 2011. So yeah, and uh, yeah, we always just had that sort of 2022 20, in work. So yeah, we'd been back well, quite a few years, and then we're always bringing horses over here for the carnival. I was always sort of dragging the kids, a couple extra handbags, and. Yeah doing it all and then we thought well we might as well just you know come over here and see if we can give it a go and we'll either sink or we'll swim what do you learn what was the best advice the great murray baker gave you because we all know the success that he's had when he's traveled his horses to australia especially in our classics um i think yeah, like he works them hard like he they're fit like they're really fit horses and um he'd always know when to pull back when he needed to, you know, like he'd always gallop them over a mile or got them over a thousand, good solid work, which you don't find as much as Australian trainers do here. They do a lot more like the eight and four. Um, yeah, so I suppose for us, just being Kiwi trainers, we're always gallop them a little bit over a longer trip. So I find it a little bit different. So, yeah, and then, yeah, we got to have a go and brought him over and won the Australian derby. Um, yeah, and it was just a progression from there. We'll take a quick break, Nat. Stay with us. We want to continue on this chat. Um, it's great fun. On the other side of it, we'll ask you about your your situation here in Australia, training at Cranbourne, and how big your stable has got, especially over the last couple of years and the success that yourself and Trent have had. It's 10.13. This is Getty Up with Gareth Hall on this Wednesday. Live across Australia on SEN Track, Giddy Up with Gareth Hall. Subscribe to the Giddy Up podcast to catch up on any shows you may have missed. It's great catching up with Natalie Young, one of our star trainers in this country. And uh, this is Girl Power on Giddy Up on this Wednesday. It's 18 minutes past 10. So, Nat, you've had success in New Zealand. You've won a, a classic here in Australia uh, with Sangster. And then you decide to come to Australia and set up with Trent and... Um, have a crack in, in this environment. Um, was it what you expected when you first arrived and what was the biggest challenge that you faced? Um, well, when we, first, we had sort of 20 horses on the first plane load and uh, 
we didn't really have any staff or anything at the moment and we actually didn't even have the, the stable built at Cranbourne yet. Yeah. So probably about a few days before we had to like rustle around and then get some um, accommodation for the horses. And I think we were still like shoveling sawdust, me, the kids and the nanny at the time um, at 11 o'clock at night because the plane was arriving an hour later. So, and you know, for the first sort of few months, um, Trent and I were sort of punching around 10 horses each, you know, <laughs> yeah. around the track. But so, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, a slow build up, but um, we just started with the 45 for the first couple of years and, we slowly progressed up to the sort of the 80 at the moment. So, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, I love a story like this because you sort of need to be brave, don't you? You have to make – like you got to get out of your, your comfort zone and then you take that massive punt to th- throw yourself into the deep end, basically, um, in a tough environment. So what inspired you to make that decision to come to Australia? Well, we were sort of, you know, it was just a matter of juggling, you know, one of us over here for the carnival and always wanted, always loved the Australian racing, you know, Australians, they just love their sport and, you know, the, the prize money's better and you've got, you got more opportunity to place your horses with your racing every day of the week. So uh, it was just kind of a no-brainer and we just thought, well, I didn't want to sort of be 50 down the track and look back and go, God, I, I wish I'd done that, taken a punt. So... You know, and we talked to a few trainers at home and they were all like, yeah, go for it. You've got nothing to lose. You know, you might as well give it a crack. So so that's what we did. And, um, you know, it was just a matter of building the team up slowly and getting the horses around us and winning races in that first sort of few months, those horses lining up. And uh, I think our first winner was Old Farm Road at Cranbourne and yeah. that was our third runner. So it just progressed from there. You had 80 horses now and work at Cranbourne. Has that exceeded your expectations? Did you think that you would ever get that big? Um, yeah, I think you kind of need to have that number to, to be really competitive or sort of to be up in that sort of top 10 in the training ranks. Um, it does become a little bit of that numbers game, but, you know, we've sort of got the 80 and full work and we've got sort of 20 that's in the sort of pre-training barn. So it's just a nice number. Um, you can have horses going in and out all the time and, and then you've got a few out spelling. So, you know, you're always heading off to the sales and, um, putting your hand up and then, uh, bleeding out your butt for a while until you pay them off and just trying to find new owners. So it's, you know, there's a lot of avenues you've got to go to to make your business module work. But um, the main thing is, is getting the winners and just making sure you've got that flow of the winning all the time. Do you enjoy, focus on. Do you enjoy that, um, Nat? Like the, uh, I know that you, you love a punt, but the, the punt that you need to take at the sales to spend millions of dollars and then try and find owners to fill them up, um, you enjoy that type, that side of the game? Yeah, I actually really love that side of it. I love getting out out there and looking at them at yelling time. Um, yeah, just and just seeing how much they they change. You know, you, you buy them at yelling time, you get them in the stable a few months later, and they go through that breaking in process, and then they come into you, and you, you get to see how much they change and what they can progress to. So. Um, yeah, I love that side of it. You know, they're just like your extended kids, really. Yeah. So they've all got their own different personalities. And you can sort of, early days, you sort of try and try and figure out which ones are going to yeah. make it to spring grade, autumn. And, yeah, so it, it's important to have those horses in early to get a little bit of a feel for them. And now you train for some of the biggest owners, if not the biggest owners in the game in this country. Um, and, and racing and training horses is so much more than just jumping on their back in the morning and getting them prepared for the races on an afternoon or at night these days. 
you basically need to be a CEO of a company in a way, Nat. Um, how have you been able to adjust to that side of the, the game? Um, well, in New Zealand, it was sort of our own business as well. So, you know, you've got to have a good team around you. You've got to have a good office person. Uh, we've got that in um, Melinda. And uh, you've got to have just a really good key staff, basically, and you've got to look after them. Um, at the moment, it's, it's the industry crying out for more, you know, more staff ever, you know, not just the racing industry, all industries. Um, so it's just about a matter of, you know, putting the people in your team um, where they're good at, finding their strengths and weaknesses and everyone communicating to, to know what's sort of going on. And and then you've got to deal with the owners on the other side of it as well. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of lunching, which I usually leave that to Trent. I call him to lunch a lot. Um, I, I usually like to be back in the stable most of the time, um, but it's just good to get out to the races and mingle and socialise. You've had so many great moments, but watching the Australasian Oaks this year when you won with Glen of Hope, and then I think basically you told that you told the racing world and the sporting world in this country that you've been battling breast cancer. And um, I think it caught a few people by surprise, Nat, because um, you would do all the radio interviews, you would hardly miss a beat, and you were, you were um, battling this terrible disease. How did you cope with all of that at that time? Um, yeah, I sort of I sort of got diagnosed this time last year, basically, and yeah. um, it sort of really progressed pretty quickly um, onto treatment. And I, you know, I did six months of chemo and then um, surgery, and then I just finished radiation, and now I'm on tablets. Um, it was for me. I'm a pretty competitive person, and I like to be hands on, and um, I kind of just had to sort of keep me going. If anything, you know, like it kept you getting out of bed as bad as you felt each morning just so you didn't really miss a beat um i'm a bit ott and i'm a bit of a control freak so it's just in my nature i suppose but for me personally it's just what got you out of bed each day you know like you you got horses in there that are that are heading to group ones you know at the time we had like sarah sue um you know we had uh, mirage dancer we had a few of those you know really nice horses that just kept you ticking over and getting out of bed basically so it was for me it was all about just you've got to keep going you, you know you've You've got people depending on you to win races and you've got staff on there that need you and you need organisation. So there was not really much I could do about it. It was just a matter of getting each foot forward and carrying on. Yeah. Can you relive that moment? How difficult was it when you got told that um, you had breast cancer? And what, was, what, was your, what was your response and um, how much did that affect you at that time? Um, yeah, I kind of sort of knew. I sort of, you know, I'd I'd been in Queensland for six weeks up there with horses in June, and I'd bought a small lump, and then I sort of got back and forgot to go and sort of get it checked out. And this is the message that I sort of want to get across: if you're feeling then go and get it checked out. Yeah. The way I probably left a little bit too long, probably three months, and it had progressed so quickly that you know it'd gone to the lymph nodes, and you know after it goes there, it can go into the rest part of your body. So. Basically, um, yeah, it was it was pretty full on treatment, um, but it's, you know, you've, sometimes you've just got to really take a step back and go. Well, I've got to get this sorted first. Your house, your house is extremely important. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is. It's, it's you know, like October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. There's, I think it's about thirty-seven women every day that in Australia that get diagnosed with it. So it's become such a common thing, and we all know someone family member or a friend that's actually gone through it. So, 
it's um, just really important to, to self-check and get checked early. You know, if you're over 40, go and get checked if you think of anything. What was basically. it? Yeah, what was the toughest moment going through all of that and that for you? Um, probably chemotherapy, I think. That was, it makes you feel awful. Um, you know, like modern medicine has really progressed in the last few years, um, thankfully. But, uh, yeah, just having to be somewhere at a certain doctor's appointment, you know, daily or weekly and you sort of got to leave the stable early. So it was really just managing that and, and not being in the stable as much as you'd like because you've got to dash off to a doctor's appointment. So that's probably the most frustrating thing that I found. Um and, and just not feeling your best, you know, you feel a bit lethargic, yeah. you're feeling crook and, you know, you've got chemo brain and you're trying to function and, and sort things out. But um, you just got to keep persevering and, and get through it. It's, you know, there's not really any other choice. And how do you feel now, Nat? And how is, how did the, the obviously the treatments work pretty well. Um, so what's your situation now with, with it all? Um, so I'm basically, I've got another appointment in the 5th of October, I think. Um, but, um, I think the surgery and the chemo worked really well and, and the radiation. So now I'm just on, uh, estrogen blockers tablets for probably for life. Um, and, um, so I've just been managing that in the last sort of four or five weeks, which, uh, you know, you, you, you're putting a drug into your body that you, is a bit foreign. So there's a few little side effects. But um, it's just starting to level out now, so I'm just starting to feel a bit more myself and getting my energy back, which is um, pleasing. Because I—that's probably what I most struggled with was the fact that you, just the lack of energy. I um, usually don't stop; I'm pretty full on all the time through the day and going here, there, and everywhere. And you just got to go. Oh, I'm just need a bit of time out. Um, you're an inspiration, Nat, and it's been amazing to see what you've been able to do after going through, I would imagine the toughest time of your life. So, um, and now you, um, can help try and fight this disease and, and help women get on top of it a lot early. And as you pointed out that if, um, anyone listening this morning to your story, if you can feel a lump in your breast, you got to make sure you go and get it checked out straight away. Yeah, you do. I mean, that's the sooner you get onto it, the better, um, basically and, and that's just you know it's such a common thing um, I think it's really important um, even if you're a little bit in doubt like you can get into appointments pretty easy and it's just worth checking out rather than waiting six months down the track and um, you know the, the outcome's going to be a lot better if you, if you check early. Um, Nat what's going to be your best chance this spring of group one glory do you think you've got a group one horse in your backyard? Well, we're probably not quite as strong as we were last year. Uh, we had a great, great season last season, but you know we had Sarah Sue go to stud. We've had Forgot You do a suspensory, unfortunately. Um, but we've got a few in the works. We've got some nice little three-year-old fillies, um, Oaks Chances. Um, I really like a filly, Foxy Cleopatra and okay. Starian. Starian's coming tomorrow. Um, Foxy will probably go on, go on Saturday at Flemington there. And um, we've got um, Bernardino. We've got a nice horse, Miramasa, that run in the um, yep. Stutt Stakes on Friday night. He'll progress maybe to Sydney next week um, into the gloaming. Um, they come back for a, the likes of a derby. So there's a few really nice horses there. And, um, yeah, hopefully one or two are going to put their hand up and, and get me one a, get me a, a derby or an oak, so I'll take it. <laughs> and you had a big team at Cranbourne today. Nat, have you been riding any of these horses that we should be having something on? 
No, I haven't really been riding the last sort of while I've been going through treatment just because if you fall off and get hurt and things. But I was going to make a comeback last week, but I couldn't quite do my riding boots up. So I've still got a few more kilos to lose before I can get back on. <laughs> well, we've... Um, but, you know, we've got, a, we've got a good hand today, I think, at Cranbourne. Um, so, um, yeah, we've got some nice horses. Got a nice horse gate that's um, having his first up back this preparation that's in race seven that uh, just trialled up really nicely. I think he's a good today. Well, we wish you the best of luck, Nat, um, not only today but for the spring, but with that doctor's appointment on the, on the 5th of October. Um, as I said before, you're a bloody inspiration. Thanks for telling your story here on Girl Power on uh, Giddy Up on this Wednesday and look forward to chatting to you when you win that Group 1 this spring. I hope so. Thanks a lot. Thanks. There's Natalie Young there. Um, and what a star she is. at 10.31 news time. On the other side of it, um, some more racing news. Big footy news breaking as well. Joel Selwood, press conference today um, with the Geelong Football Club and um, about whether he will play on or not. So it'd be interesting to see what the skipper does from the Geelong Football Club. We might have more on that straight after the news. And then Troy Little will join me because we need to try and find out our dog, and maybe get a shortlist regarding who the Sports Entertainment Network will be going with for the upcoming Phoenix, which is Greyhound Racing's only slot race. The SEN app is now compatible with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So connect your car now to listen anywhere, anytime. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So... We doubled it. Chicken and Maccas, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.